Now, when I was growing up, the church that I grew up in was kind of my playground. My dad was the pastor, and I was in church, let's just say a lot. Like Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, I mean, probably more than that which meant that I kind of figured out how to pass the time. I figured out how to entertain myself in this church on the west side of Indianapolis when I was growing up. And I knew where everything was. I mean, nothing was off limits to me. It should have been, but nothing was off limits to me. And I would open every drawer. I would open every door. I would open every window. I knew every single hiding spot in the church. Now, after church, mom and dad would do what they needed to do, right? They had a lot of responsibilities. They were talking to people and caring for people and tearing things down and setting things up and all that type of stuff. And we were often, you know, some of the first people at church. We were often some of the last people to leave church. And that meant that, you know, Sunday lunch was delayed a little bit, which I did not like, like as a nine-year-old. And I remember one time that my parents were really busy. And I mean, by busy, they were doing what they needed to do. And I'd been told we're going to leave in a few minutes. And that was unacceptable to me as a nine-year-old. I was like, I'm not going to wait. So as I was kind of gallivanting, playing on the playground that I called church, I decided I was going to take matters into my own hands. I was going to figure it out. I knew exactly where a snack was located. So I went downstairs into the basement of this church, kind of turned the corner into this kitchen, and I reached my hand into this huge box of something that we call communion. Yeah, you're allowed to laugh at that. It's okay. Now, maybe you don't know what communion is. Communion is something that Jesus asked his followers to to take. He told us to eat bread and wine or grape juice. That's what we had at that church. That's what we do here to remember the sacrifice he made when he died on the cross for our sins, for where we fall short. It's a serious thing. It's a sacred thing. Our communion in that church were these little, tiny little pieces of bread. I called them chiclets of bread. They kind of looked like Tic Tacs, really. They did not taste like Tic Tacs but they looked like Tic Tacs, and we had grape juice. And I just shoveled, I mean, a handful of this dry chiclet communion bread into my mouth. I took a big swig of probably like very stale grape juice. It's not something I'm proud of, really. It's definitely not something my, my parents particularly enjoy that I'm telling you right now. They caught me. They were mortified, by the way. They probably, probably had crumbs of communion bread. I don't know. I don't know how they caught me, but they did. I was a handful as a kid. Uh, my parents could affirm that to you. I'm sorry, mom and dad, if you're watching. I really apologize for everything, basically. So, so what's the point? Is the point that I messed up as a kid or messed up now? I mean, a little bit, I guess. But the point is, I spent a lot of time in church. I was incredibly comfortable in church. Church is a very familiar thing to me. And I've been around it my entire life. And that leads to some funny And that leads to some ridiculous and embarrassing stories. But that also means that I have some not-so-funny stories about church, too. And the people who have hurt me the most in my life have gone to church with me. And that might not be true for you. I'm glad if that's not true for you. But perhaps you can relate. See, I remember growing up, and I remember seeing how people treated other people, how people that went to church with us you know, treated my family, or how people went to church with us treated other people, or talked behind their back, or said nasty things about them. Like, I saw it with my own eyes, and I'm like, hey, you say that you love Jesus, you say that you're a Christ follower, but this doesn't really add up how hateful you are. And now that I'm a pastor, I have to say, it's, it's still true. 
Like there are people who go to church who've hurt me. Some of the people maybe who are in this room right now have hurt me. Now don't worry, I'm not going to like shine a light on you. We're not going to play like Price is Right. Like, come on down! Like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do any of that. See, that's not the point. The point is, you know, I've worked through it. We can forgive. Grace is a thing. The point is not a pity party for Adam. Here's why I'm bringing all that up. The point is, church can be an incredibly complicated thing, can't it? And I want you to know that even if you've been hurt by church, even if you've had some bad experiences in church, even if somebody has said something or done something to you, I can, I can kind of relate. Church is a complicated thing. That's one reason, actually, we have this church value. Here's one of our church values at the Ridge. We aren't perfect, but we will be real. And I want to be honest with you. I want to say, hey, church is a complicated thing. It's very complex at times. Like, we don't always know how to navigate it. And you hang around any church for very long, you'll find out it's full of imperfect people. Now, there's an old pastor joke. You know, somebody comes up and tells the pastor of a church, and he's like, hey, pastor, your church is a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, it's full of people who aren't kind. Why would I join your church? And the pastor says, well, why not? There's room for one more. (laughs) But we believe that God has called us, no matter our journey, no matter our background, no matter where we're at right now, to share our faults, to talk about our weaknesses, to not fake it. Maybe especially when it comes to church. Now, somebody asked me recently, why don't people go to church? And I think that there are several honest answers to that, really. Maybe one of those answers is that hypocrisy. Maybe somebody has experienced, they saw somebody who says they love everybody, not love everybody. Another reason people don't go to church is because they've had maybe a bad experience. Someone has done something or said something or not done something, or said something, and it changed their view of church. And hey, I want to just say straight up right now, if that's you, if you've been hurt by church, if I have hurt you, if a staff member has hurt you, if somebody who goes to church with you here at the Ridge has hurt you, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Pastors mess things up. I mess things up all the time. I know for a fact, a 100% fact, I have hurt people. And maybe it isn't here that you've had that bad experience, but still, I'm so sorry. Pastors can mess things up. Church people can mess things up. And no excuses if you've had a bad experience. I am just so sorry, and I'm so glad that you're here. And some people don't go to church because they think that they're going to get judged. Have you ever heard somebody say this? If I go to church, the church is going to burn down. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I've heard a lot of people say that. It's, it's odd to me because we don't hear a lot of stories of churches like spontaneously combusting all the time. I don't know. But still, like, we, we kind of are nervous about how people who go to church are going to treat us. And sometimes people don't go to church because they don't believe in Jesus. Fair enough. And sometimes people don't go to church because they don't know what to believe. And I would say church is a great place to go if you don't know what to believe. And there are some people who go to church, and maybe they go to another church, then maybe they go to another church, kind of like a consumer, like they're, you know, flipping through the movies on Netflix or something, trying to find the right thing. And some people don't go to church because they haven't prioritized it. You know, it's just not an important thing in their lives. Maybe, maybe they struggle with, with, with figuring out how to make it a priority. Or maybe just, if we're being honest, we're being bold, we're being frank, like it's just kind of because we're lazy. 
Now, there are so many reasons that people don't go to church. And on top of all of that, sometimes you go to church and it's weird, right? Have you ever thought about what it's like for somebody who doesn't go to church? If, maybe if you've never been in church at all and you walk into a, a place like we are in right now or, or you're watching online or whatever and you're like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so they sing songs? Is, they stand up like, is it like karaoke? Like, is that what's going on? And then this random guy gets up and he just starts talking like everybody knows that he should be there. Like, and, and maybe there's a swimming pool up here and people like get in it sometimes. And maybe there's a snack in the middle of the, you know, the bread and juice. I mean, that's kind of what I thought as a kid. I mean, it's, it's free game, right? Like, if you think about it, church can be complicated. Church can hurt people. Church can be weird. So why church? I mean, what do you think? I mean, what's your answer to, I mean, why church? Why does it matter? What is, what is this all about? Now, this series is called Why Church? And not why like YMCA Church, like why is in like why church? There's a question mark at the end of it. Because we need to kind of answer the question. Like, why does this matter? Why do people go to church? Why do you go to church? Why should we care? In this series, we're going to do our best to kind of explain the Why? the why of the core things about church. We'll talk about what a church does and hopefully kind of give anybody who's curious an opportunity to answer why church. But I just want to say up front, I don't know what your church experience has been like. Maybe it's been awesome, maybe not. Maybe you've grown up in church and it's second nature to you. That's a great reminder of just what church is all about. Maybe you've been hurt by church. Or maybe you don't like church and you've been dragged here by somebody who does. We can be helpful. Hopefully it's not that miserable for you. Maybe you're skeptical about church. Like you're just absolutely like, I just don't know how I'm going to navigate this thing. See, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your experience has been. But this series is for you. And maybe you're here for the first time like last week or the first time today. And I tell you, I believe that God has brought you here today to interact with, to maybe answer that question about why church. See, I don't know what your church experience has been. Maybe it's been good, maybe it's been bad, maybe it's been ugly, or somewhere in between. But what I do know is I am absolutely, positively head over heels in love with the local church. And even though I've been hurt by church, and even though I will be hurt by church again, and even though I am 100% sure I have hurt church people, I wholeheartedly believe that the church is the way that God chooses to impact the world, to change the world, and really to change me. It's the way God chooses to love us in every single circumstance, and it is the number one biggest encouragement in my life. So here's kind of this foundational verse as we're talking about, like, what is church? How do we navigate this? This is Hebrews 10, starting in verse 23. So let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Really, the hope that he's talking about is the hope of Jesus and that what we celebrate at Easter is true. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's a good kind of definition of church. And let us not neglect our meeting together, gathering together, literally being together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, this is the foundation that church is built on. That church, even though it is a group of imperfect people living imperfectly, it's still 
something that God chooses to use to give us hope or to give us love or to encourage us or to prompt us towards good works. Now, I, uh, I recently had this opportunity to travel to Ghana, Africa, and kind of halfway across the world. And I was actually working on this message while I was in Africa. We were visiting some church partnerships there. And this thought occurred to me, why we do church should actually be uh, applicable everywhere. Like the why we do church, the principle of church is true in the United States. It's true in Ghana. It's true in India, in Japan, North South Korea, any country that you can name, anything that you can think of. It should be applicable across culture, across preference, across racial divides. Now, how we do church will look incredibly differently. Actually, in Ghana, they dance a lot during worship. And they, they, they warned us, hey, they might invite you to dance with them. I think they saw me, and they're like, we're not going to do that. Because <laughs> they didn't. They're like, hey, and then they just kept going. But the reality is the, the why they worship is the same as why we do. See, the why is the same. How might be different, but why is still true. So why church? See, I believe that God designed us, actually. He created us to go to church. So he makes church not just something that's a nice thing to do, not just something that we could do and it makes us feel good. He created us to need church. And church fulfills needs. That's how God chooses to do that. Here's what I mean. See, church meets needs that aren't met any other way. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, kind of as we launch this series. Here are five ways that God meets some needs in our lives through church. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. Sometimes it's called Acts of the Apostles. That's the fancy name for it. So if you think about the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the gospels. Gospel literally means good news. It's just about the life and ministry of Jesus. And Acts are what happens right after that. So Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day, kind of what we celebrate at Easter like we did last week. And then he went back to heaven and Acts answers the question, what do we do now? So that's kind of what the situation that they were in. So it describes like a window looking into what church really was like right after Jesus went back to heaven. Check this out, starting in Acts 2, starting in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I love that. All of them. And to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, that means communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them. All. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising, worshiping God, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." So this is describing just what church was like. This is describing what they did. And if we look closely... I think not only we see that God fulfilled like specific needs, like financial needs as mentioned in here, generosity, stuff like that, but it really is set up to meet the needs that we have as people. So check this out. 
What is kind of that section describing? Here's one need, the first need that I believe church fulfills. Here it is. It's the need to worship. We all worship something, whether you believe in Jesus or not. I mean, whether it's God, ourselves, money, family, work, friends, feelings, love, sex, power. We all give our devotion, you know, our thoughts, our time, our energy to something. See, church remind us that we have built into us a need to worship. Whether we interact with Jesus, whether we come to church or not, we have this built into us. We do it whether we know that we're doing it or not. And church is this space, not a physical space. It's a gathering of people. It's a time and it's a place and it's a people that we can learn how to worship. We can learn how to thank him, praise him, learn about him, pray to him. Now, can you do all of that outside of a church? Yeah, that's not a trick question. Like, you can do all of these things. You can worship outside of a church. But check this out. Just like we read it, this is how this section starts. Check this out. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to gathering together, to community, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Not just the Lord's Supper, though. Not just communion. Just every day, hey, come on over and let's have some fried rice. I don't know if that's a thing they have, but probably not and to prayer. See, these are all versions of worship. See, you can't go to church by yourself. It's not a by yourself thing. See, we have a need to worship, but we also, here's the second part, these go together. We also have a need for community. It's built into us. We need other people. So can you worship by yourself? Well, yeah, kind of. And actually you should, but church also fulfills another need. See, being a Christ follower, believing in Jesus, isn't just an intellectual thing. It's not just a belief thing. It's also not just a spiritual thing. It's not just about your individual relationship with Jesus, although that's important. See, following Jesus is designed to be done with other people. Church isn't a building. It's definitely not somebody standing on a stage. It's not a person talking. It's not music. It's not any of those things. See, church, when talked about in Acts, it's people. It's people joining together with other people. It's a relational thing. So think about it this way. Can you imagine doing something alone that is meant to do with other people? Like, can you imagine having like a one-person baseball team? What would you name a one-person baseball team? The A's? I couldn't name them the A's. That's, that's taken. One-person relay race? One-person three-legged race? That'd be weird. A one-person marriage? See, you can't. There are things that we have in our life that we need other people. They're designed to be done together. See, we need other people and we need healthy relationships and church is designed to be about those relationships. See, we believe that so much here at the Ridge, we have something that we call groups. It's really just groups of people meeting together to do what Acts 2.42 says. So I'm going to unashamedly, unapologetically tell you to get the most out of this Why Church series and to really get the most out of church, you need to join a group. And you can 
do that in a couple of different ways. You can sign up using QR codes. There's a kiosk out there. You can use the app. You can you know, email the, the church. All of those, those things are ways that you can get connected. But, but hear me, there are so many reasons to not do it, but we're designed for it. And we say, well, I'm not growing or I'm, my relationship is stagnant or I don't know what to do. But then we don't gather together. We don't worship together. We don't have community together. And we meet for an hour on a Sunday every once in a while and we go, I wonder why that's happening. Church is designed to be a people that worship together. Now here are two other needs that we need. Here they are. The need to grow and the need to contribute. See, we're also created this way. And we're going to talk about these two kind of as this series goes on. But we are created to not stay in the exact same spot. We're created to continue to get better, to continue to learn, to continue to grow, to continue to interact with other people. And we're also created with the need to have purpose, to be a part of something, to contribute to something greater than ourselves. We're going to talk about that as this series goes on. But they're both represented in what we've been reading today. So I want to point out something. All of these that we're talking about, worship, community, growth, contribution, kind of lead to something. Check this out. This is Acts 2.46. So these believers went to church. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They also met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And here it is. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, Every single day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Did you catch it? I hope so. We highlighted it. The church reminds us of a very important need. I think maybe the biggest need that we're talking about today. We have a need for a Savior. And at the Ridge, we say it this way. We want to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. Because we believe that we are all, every single person who was ever born, in need of a Savior. See, we all fall short of God's standard. We call that sin. And because we fall short of God's standard, we have a need. A need to be saved from what we deserve, an eternity apart from Him. But God loves us so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross for that sin, for my sin and for your sin and for everybody's sin. We call that the gospel. That's the good news. That's what they're celebrating. That's what they're praising God for. That yes, we have a need for a Savior, but Jesus has provided for that need. And I've been to church my whole life, and I am still blown away by the love that has shown me through Jesus. And I just have to say, if you've been to church your whole life and you're not blown away by the love of Jesus, that should give you pause. See, the worship, the community, the growth, the contribution we get to make is joining in what God is doing as he does what he says he will do, which is save the world. And he uses the church to do it. He uses the church to communicate it. He uses the church to love other people. He uses the church to interact with the world. So why church? Because God uses it to change lives. He uses it to point people to Jesus. He uses it to help people grow. He uses it to help people contribute. He uses it to help people have community, to help people worship. He uses church to transform us from the inside out. And the hope of church is that it changes the world because it changes you. And God uses the church to change us 
as individuals, and he uses it to transform communities, and he uses it to go to the ends of the earth, all because of people who gather together because of their love for Jesus. And in their response to what Jesus has done for them on the cross. Now did you notice, as we were reading Acts 2, that the Lord's Supper is mentioned, it's actually mentioned twice. So the Lord's Supper is another term for communion. And communion is something we do when we follow Jesus to really remember what he did on the cross, to reflect on our heart and if we're following Jesus with all we've got and to respond to what he did. And we do that by taking communion, which is, is, is what's in my hand right here. And the bread represents his body broken for us. The juice or wine represents the blood shed on the cross. Now, if you're here in person, go ahead and reach in front of you or there on the floor and, and grab, grab this little. And it's, it's, there's nothing magical about this. I mean, it would take me a long time to like, you know, stuff a bunch of it in my, in my face. Maybe there's a good purpose for it, but go ahead and go ahead and take this out. See, lots of churches take communion in a lot of different ways. And I think that that's okay. What matters is if we, if we continue to keep our focus on Jesus. And what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to take communion together really as a community like we're talking about, whether you're online and a part of our online church community or whether you're here in person. We're going we're gonna to take this together to remember what he did, but also to remind ourselves that he did it for every single person. And we get to do this as a community, just like they did. We get to do this as a church. So take the bread, which we remember our need for a Savior, what he did for us on the cross. Go ahead and take that bread together right now. Now go ahead and grab that juice See, this juice really reminds us of his blood shed on the cross and what he did for us and what that represents, that Jesus changes everything and that we have this opportunity to celebrate, to praise, to have hope and peace because of what he did, that we can gather together as a community and celebrate that. So together right now, let's take this juice. And I'd kind of like to say a quick prayer. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, thank you for communion, for what it means that it actually does mean something. It, it's something we get to do even as a church community, as we gather together, as we are a people together celebrating you. We're reminded to remember and reflect and respond to who you are and what you've done. Thank you for Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I want you to notice something. We haven't really talked a lot about how, have we? Like, how should we do church? We haven't talked about what songs to sing or how long someone like me should stand up here. Like, you think less? I understand that. That's fine. <laughs> we, have, we haven't talked about any uh, of the how. We haven't talked about programs at church. We haven't talked about what it should look like or sound like or feel like even. We've talked about why. We've talked about the principles. And I believe that what we're talking about is applicable to every church that claims to love Jesus. And we're actually doing that on purpose. We're not talking about how. It'll be sprinkled in, but we're not talking about it on purpose. And we do have reasons why we do church. We do pray about it. We do think about it. We do plan. We do, do have specific reasons. But to understand church, I think understanding why is the foundational place to start. And my hope is this series kind of helps explain not just what, not just how, but why. 
Why would God choose to use imperfect people like me and like you to join him in changing the world? Why would he do that? So get, to get the most out of this series, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Number one, I want to challenge you to intend church. Did you know that it is possible to attend church five weeks in a row? It's physically possible. I know it's hard. I know. And even if you miss one, I mean, we have an online campus. We have no excuse, really, for you to be a part of a community every single week. And I would encourage you to get the most out of this. Attend. But my hope and my prayer is that you will not only begin to answer why church, but you'll also begin to feel these needs in your life being met, not by the ridge, but by Jesus through a church. So that's, that's the first one, attend church. Here's the second one. We already talked about this. Join a group. It's a short-term commitment. It's five weeks. Even if you miss, like, keep going. And I know it's scary, and I know you're busy, but I encourage you, prioritize this, even just for a couple of weeks. And I believe that God will honor your commitment, and things will happen in your life because of what God is doing in and through church and your group. See, God uses church to change lives, and that often starts with one or two decisions that we have, like joining a group or attending a church regularly. Now, I told you early in this message that I have been hurt by church. And I I have to tell you, I've been hurt pretty badly by church. I have stories that I won't tell and probably aren't appropriate for me to tell. But I have to tell you, The comments, the emails, the social media comments, the conversations, they're real. So why in the world would I choose to go to church? And why in the world would I choose to be a pastor? Because I believe even in the midst of our hurt or our pain, that God has chosen church to be the hope of the world, me included. And I cannot think of one group of people or one approach to life or one concept or one strategy that initiates more good than the local church throughout the world. And yeah, you bet, I have been hurt by church. And I will probably be hurt by church again. And you've probably been hurt by church. And if you haven't yet, give us a little bit of time. Still, God uses imperfect people in his perfect plan. And the result is life change that extends from one life to the ends of the earth. And the local church can be a place of pain, and I'm sorry about that. But even at its core, I believe the local church, and hopefully the Ridge, is a place of hope. And it's a place of love. And it's a welcoming place for people to come, even if they don't have their life all figured out. A place of peace that surpasses anything that we can do on our own. So why church? Because God has used the local church and God has used this local church to fundamentally change my life. And here's my guess. God wants to change your life too. And he's going to use the local church to do it. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder of who you are. We thank you that you've created us to need you, to need each other. And I'm reminded at no matter what burden we have, no matter what hurt we have, no matter 
how we feel that there is someone else that feels that way. There's someone else that's been hurt. There's somebody else that doesn't understand. There's somebody else that struggles. And that you love us and you've placed us right where we are for a purpose. And that you love us so fully you sent Jesus. You love us so fully you created the church. You love us so fully that we can sing to you and pray to you and gather together and interact and learn and do all of these things because of your love for us. You created us to be a church. You created us. You built the house like Reed was saying earlier. You, we are your, your body. That's another image that you use. That we have to go together for this to work correctly. And we are your children. You love us so fully, so incredibly. I'm just so grateful. So help us live this out. Help us be the church. And it's in Jesus' name and because of him that we pray. Amen.